2: Thanks for tuning in to Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now.
3: You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and Americanamusicmagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. While Darren Beachley has spent most of his musical career playing in bluegrass bands, his personal approach is more of an Americana-Bluegrass hybrid mix. The Maryland native has been at it for over 30 years. Along the way, playing with bluegrass greats like Bill Harrell and Doyle Lawson in Quicksilver. Bill says his latest project explores the road I didn't take. He joins us on this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about his musical career and his latest album, The Road Not Taken. Hi, Darren. Welcome to the podcast this afternoon. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
3: Glad to get a chance to catch up with you. I'm sorry we uh, were not able to make a connection at, uh, at IBMA a couple of weeks ago in Raleigh. I understand you were out traveling, and uh, it's, it's hard to plan a week to, to land there and, um, and do everything else, too. So I understand.
2: But it sure
1: is. It's good it to sure talk is. to you. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I pre- again, I appreciate you having me, and it's always a, a pleasure to get to talk with you, and, and about the time at Raleigh. Uh, Raleigh, it's very difficult to find a whole week anymore to, to fit in it and is. be at Raleigh for a whole week. It, it's, um, you know, it's, it's funny, as you got a little older, and I've gotten a little older, at that finding a whole week to do something sure does seem rather hard anymore. <laughs> it so. does,
3: yeah. Well, we all live in a different world, uh, you know, post-pandemic, and so uh, it's kind of kind of getting old uh, referring to that. But but it's the truth, and and we <laughs> or everybody's trying to find a new normal. So we'll get there one day
1: yeah I, I don't know what it is but i haven't found it yet yeah so well we're still, we're still in search of it
3: okay well when you find it you let me know and we'll i sure will. <laughs> we'll I'll I'll call bottle it how about, first that? Guy I call. how about that <laughs> so you've been doing um music for a long time right you you've been at it for a little over uh 30 years
1: oh even more than that probably i you know like i i started as a kid a mere child um i was playing uh let's see i'll be i'm 55 so i started probably 40 years or more I started playing in bars with my dad at 11 wow. years old wow. I know probably <laughs> I saw a lot of things that most 11 year olds shouldn't see probably I, I understand. And, 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 you know <laughs> but uh but it was good for the the music teaching I'll put it that way so um, and you
3: grew up in uh, Maryland right uh, Eastern Shore or not or, that far out
1: no actually I'm in Central Maryland actually I'm right uh funny part about it I I moved away a little bit uh you know still stayed in Maryland but moved around and actually i live (laughs) within probably now two miles of where i grew up at so it's uh it's funny how they say you can never go home again don't believe that because you can yeah i i I am actually living in what used to be one of the cornfields that we used to plow as kids wow (laughs) wow
3: man time flies doesn't it
1: (laughs) yeah it seems like 45 years went by pretty quick you know so uh especially if you have children and stuff yeah
3: Was your dad into bluegrass? Was that the kind of music he played? He was. Oh, yeah.
1: I I picked up the mandolin when I was like four years old. And, you know, just because, honestly, um, I don't know if I was that much interested in the music or I was just interested in the attention that it brought. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, I really like this. And then um, when I was about nine or ten, my dad, the band he was with, they – their bass player actually was Larry Robbins, who had went, moved on to play with the Johnson Mountain Boys. Mm, yeah. And in the interim, because um, Eddie Stubbs and Larry Robbins both played with my dad's band, and in the interim, it's like, okay, we need a bass player. My dad said, well, I'll take Darren, and we'll teach him the material, and he'll have it down in two weeks. And <laughs> <That's> <laughs> So cool. there was some woodshedding in a bedroom and lots of uh, yeah. lots of teaching really quick. Yeah. And uh, so at 10 years old, I started playing on stage with them uh 10 11 years old and then uh at 14 moved to the dobro wow. and uh yeah and it, it just you know it just grew from there uh the love of the music and really getting involved in it and growing through it and yeah so my my mom and my dad both were uh my mom didn't play she was a great singer mm-hmm. and i had a very rich um uh, v- you know most female voices usually are, are pitched rather high hers wasn't real high mm-hmm. She had like a Patsy Cline ish thing to her voice, Mm -hmm. and my dad—I mean, kind of odd for not a lot of women sang baritone parts and things like that in trios—and she did that. Mm. And uh, my dad was a tenor singer, so I got it from both sides of the aisle, uh, music-wise.
3: Yeah.
1: And my uh, dad—you know—I was a, I think, third, fourth, maybe, maybe even fifth-generation musician as far as that goes. Okay. Uh, Wow. My grandmother Beachley played on radio shows around Maryland and. So, yeah, I kind of, I guess I was born into it. You know, it's Uh kind of people say, how did you discover bluegrass? Well, I didn't really discover it. I kind of just grew up with it. So it kind of discovered me, I guess.
3: So at some point then uh, after you, I'm assuming, finished school, you ended up with uh, Bill Harrell then. Is that right?
1: I did. um, I started working in 1988. I had worked, there was a band here. Uh, on the Pennsylvania line, South Central Bluegrass, uh, that I went to work with in 1988, that was my first real pro okay. music experience. You know, now you could call it. You know, I mean, they were out traveling, doing festivals, and recording. And um, you know, Bill Emerson took a great interest in us, and uh, for Webco Records, and we started recording for Webco. And and you know, uh, I always say this about Bill Emerson. He, uh, Bill Emerson, got me in front of people that I never would have gotten an opportunity mm. to play with if it hadn't yeah. been for Bill you know, Tony Rice and, and right. just you know, tons of people. And um I'm forever indebted uh to him for that. But the band, yeah, in and, and ninety one, Bill Harrell uh needed a Dobro player in nineteen ninety one and, and I went to work for him. And um yeah, it was cool. You know, I all those records I listened to growing up with Mike Aldridge playing yeah, Dobro on them. That's cool. I got to play all those parts. Wow. It was really cool. Yeah, that's and, really and, cool. And I had been one of those guys that had followed Mike around and pestered him as a kid, you know, learning trying to learn Dobro stuff from him. And mm-hmm. He was always very gracious and always very helpful. And uh, I think one of the uh, greatest compliments I ever had from Mike I was at the Gettysburg Bluegrass Festival and he walked up to me and he said, "Man, I just heard something on the radio and it sounded like me. Was it you?"
3: And I <laughs> wow. thought, "Wow, what a compliment." Yeah, that man, did. that's was awesome. Like,
1: yeah, it was, but <laughs> so anyway, but it was kind of cool that he had, you know, thought enough of my playing to think that it sounded like him, right. but he asked if it was me, right. so it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. wow. But yeah, I worked with Bill for um uh, a little over a year. Okay. And um well Carl Carl Nelson was in the band at the time and and uh Man, it was really cool to work with Bill, who was such a, uh, he was a great entertainer. And I I remember watching him one night, you know, he was talking about stuff, and he's like, hey, we're going to Encore tonight. And we hadn't even gone on stage. Mm. And I thought, how in the world does he know that? Mm. And he just knew how to work a crowd. Mm -hmm. He was great. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like this thing when he would go on stage, it's almost like he had him in the palm of his hand from the second song on. Mm. It was crazy to watch it happen. Yeah. yeah. yeah so so glad i got to experience that you wow. know
3: yeah and then you found your way to to doyle how did that happen doyle austin quicksilver
1: well uh it's a long road to get there but i'll take you i'll give you the cliff notes version sure of it. And, yeah uh, um in 1993 <coughs> doyle um john bowman uh was leaving doyle to go to work with allison Krause, mm-hmm. and um uh, man, I, I had wanted that job. I, in the interim, I had figured out, okay, I know how to sing these high parts now. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that mm-hmm. when I was working with Bill Harrell, I didn't know I knew how to sing like that. And one day it just happened. And I thought, man, this is cool. I know how to do this. And, and I, I worked so hard to learn all Bill's material. And so they were playing at North Carroll high school over in Hampstead, Maryland, right when John had given notice. And I drove over there with my guitar mm. and, uh, I walked i walked into the door and of course i'd known doyle through the years mm-hmm. and i walked through and I said, I said hey doyle i know john's leaving i'd really like to have shop audition for the job and i'll never forget the just the way it went down he's like son sean lane's moving over from the fiddle he's taking the guitar job job filled." Mm. and mm. i was like oh man i feel like i've been backed over by a truck right you know i mean yeah. it's like I, you know so years played on, I kept on playing around the area, uh, you know, just filling in, doing things, working different, you know, uh, music, different things with music and, uh, you know, filling in with this one or that one and, you know, getting to go out and work a couple of dates with Tony Rice unit or, or something like that, mm-hmm. whatever it was, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Goodrow and those guys. And, and, and really, you know, brushed my chops up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 2004, I got to meet Jamie Daly
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, while he was with Dole. Mm-hmm. and we, we struck up a friendship and started singing together. And then Jamie was going overseas to Switzerland for this USO young ambassadors program. And Dole asked if I would want to fill in for Jamie. Mm-hmm. So I did. Mm. And he liked what I did. So when Barry Scott gave notice, I got a phone call mm-hmm. and I went to work for Dole for four years and wow. it was, uh, it was amazing. um, uh, the first six weeks are—I won't lie to you. A lot of people say it's like boot camp. I won't argue that at all. It's you—you—you uh, <laughs> you, you really learn what it's like to be a professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as everything, yeah, from the way you dress on and off stage, the yeah. way you handle yourself, Doyle's yeah. a true pro, man. And, yeah. and look, he—he he treated me as good as a father, and. uh, you know, if he called me today and needed something, I'd be in the car on the way to Bristol right now. Yeah. So yeah, that's just it's, the way I feel about it.
3: You, you guys – you guys make it look easy on stage, but people don't really realize that uh, it's it takes a lot of work. Bluegrass music is hard to play and to begin with, and then to yeah. to pull off what what bands like you guys do on stage is um, you don't just you don't just walk from the basement to the stage and and no. make it look that way. <laughs> so
1: well, I don't think anybody really understands that doesn't do this or hasn't done it at the highest level, right? What goes into getting to the highest level, right? Yeah, they don't know the 10 hour a day rehearsals, yeah, they don't know getting up in the morning and uh, you know, still being in your pajamas and your underwear till three o'clock in the afternoon because you've went downstairs and picked up your axe <laughs> and you can't get away from it, uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh. Yep. you
1: know, they don't understand. a Dole told me a story one time about Tony Rice because when Tony Apparently they were all living there in Lexington at one time. He said it would take Tony three hours to eat breakfast because he'd eat a bite and play for twenty five
3: minutes. Oh man, wow.
1: they eat another bite, they play for another twenty minutes, yeah. and you know, and you when you hear stories about those guys being like that, you realize, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, and uh, and that's how they got where they were.
3: Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know,
1: the rehearsals with Dole, we rehearsed everything. Mm. The 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 everything was rehearsed. The show was rehearsed.
3: Mm.
1: Every. And that's what you did. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. but that's what you are. Think about it. I mean, it's not just a sometime thing. You know, there, there's a reason that we're, we sound the way we do. And of there was course. a reason yeah. for everything we did, Yeah. you know, and that was what was cool about Dole. Not only could he tell you why, how to do it, but he could also tell you why we were doing
3: mm. it. Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, it's, uh, when you start thinking about sometimes he would say things sometimes, and it'd be like, I don't quite get that. And about a year later you'd say, Oh yeah, now I get it. Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. <laughs> that's cool. But, yeah, yeah, it
1: was very cool. And I always say if you can stay there four years you get a degree. Wow. There's
3: no doubt about it. That's amazing. No doubt that's, about it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. So then yeah. you um started your own gig, right? Your own your own, your own band? And uh,
1: I did. Uh, my children were uh, growing up and uh they were I was missing a lot of stuff at home and uh, so my wife and I talked about there was a lot of change going on with Doyle's band at the time. And uh, I said, well, you know, this might be a good spot to get off. Uh-huh. and uh, Because I, I, you never know. Sure. And, and you never know where the spot is to get off. I was very fortunate when I went there. I went there and Terry Balcom was there. Jamie Daly was there. and Mike Hartgrove was there. So when you walk into that situation, right, you're with three old pros. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, okay, this is great. I've learned so much. But then when the newer guys come in, not saying they didn't know as much, it's just different. Sure. And it's yeah. uh not saying that the band wasn't as good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh it I just thought, well, this is a good getting off point. So I uh, and uh I had been in the daytimes when we weren't rehearsing with Doyle, I'd been getting together with Mike Aldridge and Tom Gray mm-hmm. and Mark Delaney and uh Norman Wright mm. and just to do something different musically. And and i always wanted to be in a band with Mike. You know, because he was one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when time came to leave Doyle, I just called those guys and said, hey, do well, you want to do a band? And Mike was very hesitant at first because he had just been through all the stuff with Chesapeake. And mm-hmm. that had broken up. And then the uh, Aldridge Bennett Goodrow thing. He said, man, I don't know. You know, if this would be a good thing for me. I said, look, I don't care if it's three days, three months or three years. I just want you to be in a band with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Whatever you can mm-hmm. get out anytime you want out. And uh, he was like, "Well, how in the hell do I say no to that?" And I'm like, well, "You can't. Yeah. That's why. I, that's why I did it that way."
3: Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. And
1: and we recorded our first record with Patuxent, and we went to uh, like number ten on Billboard, and we were number one on the Roots Music uh, charts uh, for a while, uh, over top of Dirks Bentley when he had his bluegrass record out, yeah. actually. And so it was very successful. It was a very good record, and the band worked a lot, and uh, and then Mike's health took a turn for you know, the worst. Mm. And, uh, and, uh, it just was never the same for me after Mike left, Mm. you know, Mm. and, uh, Ethan Hughes came in and did a great job playing the dobro, but it was just never the same. And then, uh, you know, the economy started going, you know, it it, it took a little twist to the thing. And then that's when I started saying, you know what, I really need to get a day job. Mm -hmm. And then started playing less full time and started working and playing here and there and and this, that and the other, but it's, uh, couple years ago I thought you know I'm at a point now I think I can get back at it this so I I got the dobro out again which I hadn't played in a while which has always been my first love in the first place yeah started woodshedding and got to a point to where I was like man I can actually play this thing again so I I called Linda Lay uh in Springfield Exit and jumped in the band with her and then I started uh my son my youngest son is actually a uh, producer he produces R&B and Things Like that, so we built a studio here at the house. Oh, that's uh, cool during the pandemic, yeah. Why not? Because <laughs> he was, uh, why not? I, mean, I got nothing else to do, nobody's right. working, nobody's doing anything. I'm just working at the hospital doing my thing. And so, we built this studio, and I'm like, I told him, I said, Now I've got the studio, what are we going to do with it? So, I started deciding to make a record, and I had all these songs, and nobody was working. So, I started putting this thing together. I started calling all these people Scott Vestal, Kurt Vestal, uh, T. Michael Coleman, uh, Clay Hess. I mean, I called everybody all friends of mine that I've known for years and sure. say, Hey man, I'm gonna send these tunes to you And nobody was doing anything so man I, I put this crazy record together. Mm. I, it's it's nuts because nobody was working and everybody was like, Yeah, send it to me And they it, it was just I, I actually was gonna call the thing the COVID sessions, but I didn't. Because <laughs> kind of, I didn't want to label it so much. And T. Michael Coleman said jokingly, yeah, you should call it Songs from Behind the Mask. Oh, you
3: know? wow, yeah.
1: And, you know, and I didn't, but uh, it, it really, truly is fitting. It could have been called that. Yeah. And uh, we, did, we did all of my stuff here and some of the mixing here, but uh, it just grew into something even bigger. You know, I was able to procure Sam Bush and uh flew to Nashville and had Sam record on it, which was a lifelong dream because I've always thought a lot of Sam and his music and what he's meant to the music. And uh, he was great. And uh you know, just some of the songs that we picked out, you know, I I kinda just let it be whatever it wanted to be. Um you know, it's it's some bluegrass, it's some Americana, it's some Irish. There's a little bit of everything on Mm -hmm. this thing. So And this
3: is the one uh titled The Road Not Taken. Is that the Yep. Yep. The
1: road not taken. Sure Sure. is. Yeah.
3: And how long has this been out? Are you just now releasing this?
1: It just came out uh, last week.
3: Okay. it's real fresh. Wow. It's real new. Yeah. Yeah. It's on
1: Turnberry Records. And, and, you know, the funny part about it, I wasn't searching for a label. And I was on the Internet one day, and my friend Rebecca Spear, who lives in Nashville, had Mm -hmm. just came on board working for Turnberry. And I jokingly said to her, hey, y'all looking for any artists? you know just kind of joking around you know and i even put an lol after this. she goes well you know that's funny we might be
3: hmm.
1: and uh next thing i know i've got a record deal yeah wow. and my wife's like my wife's like you've been like back doing this like two weeks and what happened and i'm like <laughs> i don't know it just kind of happened you know it's, and, yeah but wow. it's but it's still it's what's good about it is i'm still really in control of it a lot of times when you get record deals and you know pr people and booking agents you're not in control of the whole situation right right, right yeah and right. i'm still in control of yeah, how much i want to that. work yeah. what i want <laughs> yeah they are good about that
3: yeah
1: um but you know uh you know i have kind of made it to where i'm still in control of the situation i work what i want to work when i want to work who i want to work with and right. and things like that which i think makes it more fun yeah. you know it doesn't feel like a job you know it still feels like it's fun you and know, I think
3: you told me off air you got about forty or fifty dates lined up for the yeah for the spring, well I'm, uh, yeah for the spring. I'll, I
1: have the ability to do forty or fifty dates we're currently working on that we have probably got twenty five or so lined okay. up for next year but we're 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 still plugging away and and I want to work different things too Greg you know it's uh, I've worked every bluegrass festival that there ever has been mm-hmm. I'm sure of it with Doyle. I played every every bluegrass festival you know I I had the best time this past year uh, working with Linda Lay we played a lot of the uh, folk fest we were in montana we played the national folk fest we played okay. the montana folk festival yeah. and you know there's nothing like playing to 300,000 people that right. don't that have never heard you before yeah yeah
3: yeah and
1: it's you know you're you're broadening your audience and taking the music to people who may have never heard what we do yeah. and that really for me is uh, where i'm at with my music these days That's you know cool. i just i want to create but I also want to create and give it to a new audience as much as I can.
3: Yeah.
1: Not yeah. forgetting the old audience now, mind you, sure. but sure. also yeah. wanting to to uh, you know create and give something new to the music because the music is changing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think it is, all you gotta do is is watch Billy Strings or mm-hmm. or any of those guys. The music's really changing. Yeah. And if you don't change with it, Dole right. told, told me this a long time ago. In order for the, our music to survive, it has to change or it will die on the vine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure Mr. Monroe when Mr. Monroe did bluegrass, I'm sure he never envisioned it being what lonesome river band plays or yeah. what those guys play, you know, yeah, sure. but it has to grow and change and that's influences make it change. Right. And that's kind of where, where I'm at with it, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah, uh, it's good, been though. so much fun. Yeah. Good.
3: That's it's been cool. so much fun. Yeah. So if, um, if people want to catch up with you and listen to the new CD, find out where you're going to be playing this, you know, after the first of the yeah. year, Springs festivals, that kind of thing, what's the best way to get in touch?
1: Well, the best way to get in touch is you can go to my website, which is darrenbeachley.com. Very simple. I'm all over all the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. Uh, I'm all over all of those. Yeah. Um, also, any digital uh, streaming platform for the music, you can go Spotify, Apple Music. It's all it's all there. I'm all over all that stuff. So, awesome. Easy to find.
3: And uh, do you have a website?
1: I do, darrenbeachley.com. Yes, sir. All right.
3: Good. Well, it's so good to catch up with you, Darren. I I, um, I love your music, and uh, I'm excited about this new project. You know, you, you couldn't yeah. have picked a better group of people to work with on, on all these songs. And so, man, <laughs> it's, be, yeah, it's wouldn't not... it be fun to get them all together on stage with you at one time?
1: <laughs> well, there's going to be a few shows where I'm going to be able to uh, have some of those guys available. You know, I've kind of uh, gotten a verbal commitment from Scott uh, to do some shows and yeah. Kurt and yeah. Clay Hess. And, yeah. you know, here's the thing. You can't go wrong when you got Scott Vestal and Clay Hess or Kurt Vestal on stage with you because you just got to worry about what you do. They're going to bring the mail. <laughs> you just got to worry about your part. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's really, to me, what it's all about yeah. being playing with pros and you are know, talking about that. Greg, you know, we talked about you know the area that we live in here in Maryland, where I live. Um, it's, it's it's difficult to find people who want to do it at that level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really difficult because, you know, it, so many people have never done it at that level. Mm-hmm. And the ones who have don't want to go back to doing it full time. It's like they're scared to death that you're going to do that. So it's very difficult to find pickers sometimes to do that in the yeah. area. So a lot of times I have to reach outside the area and get guys, which
3: yeah.
1: it is what it is. Yeah, But sure. uh, anyway, Yeah, and I also wanted to say, man, you guys, uh, the stuff you do for the music, uh, your, your, your program and, and, and the, and the magazine is amazing. Uh, oh, I you. read it all the time. Thank you. I and it's, it's, that. it's invaluable to what we do.
3: Yeah. Well, and, I appreciate uh, that. We have fun with yeah, it absolutely. and uh, we get oh, to meet, sure. get to meet people like you, man. And so it's, uh, wow. you know, that makes it fun too. You know, it's, it's a, uh, yeah. it always, it's a great, it's a great way for me to find a back door into hanging out with all the cool people. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I well, enjoy it. it. So. Yeah, thank if we're you. ever
1: in the area, just let me know you want to come out, man, and you can just come out and hang out. Hey, love that, that'd be
3: know? awesome, man. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Just hey. let
1: us know, and you come hang out, and we'll catch up and, uh, That's cool. and uh, tell each other some lies and right? some truths <laughs> and figure out which one's which. You know? yeah,
3: yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and I uh, wish you the best with it, and, and hopefully we'll cross paths here real soon.
1: All right, Greg. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it.
3: Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at
0: AmericanaRhythm.com. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Fred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more.